Welcome to the Hope United Podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. Happy Anniversary Sunday! Um, I have some good, good friends that I would like to invite to the stage. And instead of a traditional sermon, is it okay if we just talk about the good things that God has done over the years at Hope? Amen. So I want to welcome to the stage Apostle and Prophet Swilly. Pastor Clarence and Pastor Carol Brownlee. Our first member of Hope, Prophet Eddie Polanco. And one of my favorite cousins in the world, Deshane Sylvie. Um, you can give them all a big, big hand. So happy. Pastor Krenner and I are happy to have them all here today. Um, and you may be seated. Um, there is something to say when we stop and talk about legacy, what God has done over the years. And it's not an unbiblical thing. Actually, you can see it all through the Word of God when the people of God would recount all the miracles and all the things that God had brought them through to that point. When Moses and the children of Israel were at the Red Sea, they started rehearsing, well, these are the things that God did. Every time there's a momentous chapter turn, we say, let's go back and see what God has done in the past. And let's see how that our faith can be challenged for what God has in the future. We've been talking at the beginning of this year about this word that God gave us. It's time. Look at somebody say, it's time. You got to remind them. You got to remind each other of the word sometimes. But before we can launch into some of the bigger things that God has for us, and we've already been receiving testimonies of God opened this door, God opened this career field, God made this miracle happen. It's time. It really is God's appointed time for these things to happen. Sometimes, though, to launch into the new season, we have to stir up our faith. And the way we stir up our faith is, of course, we listen to the promises of God, and we tell the testimonies that have happened over the years. So I want you to help uh, welcome this incredible group um, that are a part of the legacy of hope one more time with me. And we'll start right here with you, um, Apostle. And the question is, um, take us on this journey, or, or rather take us on this journey of how it all began when you drug our whole family down here <laughs> from a different state, tell us the, the, the foundation. How did it start? Well, everybody that you're going to hear today, I want to just say this. They're going to give you a testimony, and they're going to tell you a great gift or two that lies within each of them. I want you just to, just to say, God, whatever I need, I'm going to get today. Okay, so there's the impartation, Corinne, Pastor Corinne, that they get. All right. Um, in a most 
uh, God, how many of you are ready for God to interrupt your life? Are you, are you ready? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. We'll see when he does. Um, and, so, and so God said to me, uh, I was living in Griffin in a beautiful home, traveling around the world speaking, uh, no problems. And God said, take your family on a vacation. And I said, well, that, that's, that's a good word. I can, I can live that out. And I said, that's good. But taking this bunch on vacation is a very expensive proposition. So I was going to tell God how I was going to do it. And I said, what I'm going to do is I'll speak at a couple of churches while I'm down there, and I'll pay for the whole vacation. And God said, did, did I tell you to work? Or did I tell you to rest with your family? You'll never hear from God unless you learn to rest. You're busy and all your work, you, you think you're gaining ground. You're not gaining ground at all. So I'm supposed to be talking to you. I got instruction after the first service. All right, here we go. And so this is what I did, son. <laughs> I took y'all on vacation. We went down, we stayed at a friend's house, a beautiful home that was four blocks from Miami Beach. And uh, God one night said, let's go for a walk. And, you know, you know we're a praying bunch. Uh, but he said, uh, let's just go walk and talk. And so we went, I went down the beach, and it was about uh, four blocks down, and about three blocks down, right there behind the Days Inn, right there about 41st Street. God just stopped. And clear as a bell, he says, I want you to move your family to Miami. He said, I will give you a platform there by which you'll touch the world. And uh, that was it. And I went, any more details? Uh, and, and, and so I came back to the house that night crying. And the girls were too young to understand. And I got Joshua and, and Sonny, and I said, we're moving our family to Miami. How do you feel about that? Because I'm not going to do it unless there's a confirmation. And they all started crying. I said, let's do it. Now, I'm going to tell you, when God says to do something, there's usually an urgency about it. So I thought, well, I'll move, you know. I'm booked a year in advance speaking, you know. Maybe when this is over, I'll work, you know, my way down. To, and God said to me, Speaking in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, he says, if you don't move in the next three months, there's no reason to move at all. You will have missed your window. I'll, I'll find somebody else. Uh, no, I don't want God to find anybody else. If he tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm a dangerous man that way. And this is a dangerous family. Whatever God says for us to do, we don't even play. And so we rolled in. I came ahead. Because we didn't have any place to stay. We had a lot of faith. Uh, I couldn't sell my home. We'd rented it out. I came down. God supernaturally gave us a little tiny house that uh, Mark slept in the washing machine and dryer room. You and the girls in bunk beds with the girls. Uh, I don't know how Joshua had his own room. How, how did that How did it's that happen? It's the anointing that makes the difference. <laughs> Okay, it was, the the it was the office. It was the office also. So we would take all of our furniture every Monday night, and we would set it out in the backyard because we knew there was going to be a big crowd. 
and I had a whole sound system. We had all of our instruments and all everything set up. Chairs. And we got 25 chairs, and, and Eddie showed up. That was it, Eddie. And baby, we worshiped like there was a thousand people there. I preached like it was at a. And from that, God began to explode. And it's like you said, baby, uh, you never know. Uh, there's, a, there's a journey. And uh, we grew a bunch, 80 people in, in eight weeks. And uh, uh, I was up in Toronto at Pastor's Conference. The guy said, there's a church for you in Miami. Seats about 1,000 people or more. Uh, he wants to give it to you. And we went there, started having church. She started the choir. We were rocking. And after nine months, church started exploding in growth. And I, the first Sunday, I left to go speak somewhere. Uh, the pastor got so excited about it, he took the church back. And uh, so we had nowhere to have church and nowhere to live because we were living in the parsonage of the church. So in one week, God had to supernaturally provide a house and a church. And he gave us the golden glades, 20,000 square feet for a year for free. That's $100,000 of rent. God gave us that. And he, he, uh, God let us have a, a penthouse condo that a guy let us stay there uh, for a year. And again, Joshua had his own room. There was only two bedrooms. I don't know how this, this, the girl this, slept. <laughs> I'm through. I'm in a bad spirit now. Stra- <laughs> um, <clears throat> Mom, uh, talk to us a little bit about um, there were already churches in Miami doing a lot of good things in South Florida. What was the significance um, of why you feel God had us start uh, a ministry in South Florida? part of a ministry that um, taught the kingdom and um, the, the um, saying that we always said was to communicate and demonstrate the kingdom. Well, we, there wasn't a demonstration. It, it, the kingdom is every culture, every people sect loving each other. That's the kingdom. And when we came to Miami, it was very segregated just about every church was just that culture. And um, God said, I want you to teach people how to love each other. And that's what we did. We just loved. We prayed and loved. We prayed and we would love people. And, um, you know, God taught me how to go into the trailer park and pick up kids. And I, no- I noticed after a couple of weeks of teaching, I would I'd bring in about 30 kids. And after a couple of weeks of teaching, they couldn't focus. They were so hungry. So I started going and picking up jugs of milk and putting cereal on tables and feeding them before church. And um, it, it, was, it was like an experiment we were on. We were learning as we went, and God was just teaching us how to love people. And it was this just unconditional love he was doing through us, but it was him. And we were called to the the mountain of family, and our church became this big family. Everybody was a part of God's family, 
and everybody was a part, and that was the secret. Everybody was important. Amen. Now, uh, Deshane, you decided uh, somewhere in this to uh, take this crazy adventure with us, and uh, Deshane, besides being uh, one of my favorite cousins, is, is really like a sister to me, and uh, we grew up together, but for whatever reason, God put on your heart to come with us down here, so you came down with us to launch this. We didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but you came down. Give us a snapshot. What did you sense in your spirit in that moment of just um, launching out into the unknown and starting something? Um, first, I just want to say thank you for asking me to be here and be a part of this. Um, hope is just always home to me. It doesn't matter how many years go by. I just always feel at home, and um, it's just such has such a special place in my heart. So I cried the entire uh, time last time. So I'm just warning you in advance. I get very emotional. Me and Eddie are criers. We're both criers. <laughs> so um, just in advance, um, I apologize for that. But um, hope is so special, and it does have a special place for me because we were so young. Uh, Josh had just turned 15 and got his learner's <laughs> permit, and I was 16 and had my 17th birthday, like, as soon as we moved down here. So we were very young, and uh, to have uh, this uh, adventure happening, you know, when we were that young had a huge impact on our faith, and um, it just still continues to have a ripple effect in my life and my kids' lives. And um, But when we first moved down here, we were excited. We were young. This is a, a fun adventure, but we did feel, even as a young uh, person, we did feel the weight of starting something new and like, you know, knowing that God had us here at this time, at this season for a purpose and that he was doing a new thing in our lives individually and in our family. And um, he was just, we, we could sense the, uh, just the excitement, but also the weight and the burden of doing a new thing here. And um, when we came down together, uh, you know, like we said, our very first service is in the house. We, we stepped out of Aunt Sonny and Uncle Dwayne had lived in this big, beautiful house in Georgia, and we left that behind and came to a very, very tight quarters, very small house on the island. And, you know, um, we we were comfortable in our old spaces, but, you know, and that wasn't necessarily the most comfortable situation for us physically. Like, we were in tight quarters, you know, we had smaller closets and beds and things like that, and, you know, but in my experience in learning that everything that God, anytime God asks you to step into something new and do a new thing, you're not going to be comfortable. You have to Absolutely step out of your right. um, comfort zone. And, you know, it's, you become totally, um, we were, we were totally dependent upon him just like day to day. Uh, that's, that's what it looked like at the beginning was, you know, we were, um, we were on our faces every morning. Um, we were just having prayer. Prayer was daily prayer was essential part of us. We would just say, God, what do you have for us today? What do you have for us today? And everywhere we would go, um, people, he would put the right people in front of us. That We'd meet people at the grocery store, at restaurants, um, out at the beach, wherever we were, whatever we were doing, people would just show up and we would just start sharing. We would be share love and truth with them. And that's, you know, they just started showing up to the house and it just grew quickly. And it was just so miraculous to see God, once you, when you are obedient, and I just want to say thank you for stepping out and being obedient and uh, just leading us all down here. And and when you do step out and you are obedient, you know, you move in power. When we moved down here, we had the power, we had the prayer. But when I was driving down this morning and just praying about, um, you know, just 
being down here and being with you guys, God just dropped this word in my spirit, and it was persistence. And, you know, God will give you power if you're obedient and you step out. The power is there. We move in his power, and we, but it took persistence, and it took prayer. And so I know Hope is successful and has continued and continues to be successful because of the legacy that you guys set up with us and showing us and just demonstrating us with persistence and prayer so that um, they all have just worked together to just this is what we see in front of us now is a result of so many years of obedience persistence and powerful prayer so I just want to thank you for modeling that for me at that young age and and Joshua and you know it continues to show fruit in our own families and so we thank you for that but it was it was a great adventure it was fun and it's just so special to see what God is just continuing to do here now. Amen. Amen. Hey, God is always doing things unconventional, you know. When Jesus showed up, he was unconventional. John the Baptist was unconventional. Elijah was unconventional. Abraham was unconventional. You know, Isaac and Jacob were <laughs> unconventional. And so he calls us oftentimes into this space, right, that's unconventional. He's going to do a miracle. He's going to bless you, but he's going to ask you to get uncomfortable first um, because, you know, with what he has to do, it's a pioneering. Pioneering is always uncomfortable. You're the one that has to bake through the thicket. You're the one that has to swing the machete and, and get out there in the, in, in the wilderness. And so thank you all for sharing so far. Um, now, Prophet Eddie, talk to us about this. Um, you were praying for us to move down. Um, and you were praying for a long time. What was going on with this, this burden that God gave you that there was some immediacy, urgency that we moved down? Take us, take us on that journey. Well, the journey began when uh, the church I was going to had invited your dad to come speak. Uh, he was known as leading the, the greatest revival of youth that's ever been seen in the country. And, uh, and he, we were connected now with this church up there because it was kingdom teaching. We were teaching kingdom. Um, I was having a great seven years in the church. I mean, I got to experience everything, every dream I could think of. I ended up doing there, uh, growing exponentially. Great gifts were moving. I saw signs and wonders, people getting healed. I mean, I thought I had walked into the book of Acts. Um, but there was something missing, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't realize it until the day he came and spoke, and we had this uh, Bible study that was just for the tithers. It was called Covenant Class, and so he would bring guest speakers to speak there first. So your dad walked into the room. We were all excited because this is great youth movement, man of God, and uh, I would stand in the back because I wanted to learn what it was to stand that long while somebody's teaching, and uh, he grabbed the pulpit, and he shook, and tears came down like a flood. And I'm going like, wow, it's the first person I've ever seen that the presence of the Lord kind of breaks you down to where you're just, you just weep in the Lord's holiness. And I went, I've never seen that before. He's got something and there's a connection there. I can't remember what he taught that day. I just knew that he was, it was just amazing. And uh, so he went back out and he was traveling at that time. And at that moment, I knew that we were like the uh, Ephesians, Corinthians 1, 
12. We had all the signs and wonders. We had all the miracles. We had all the gifts. But what was missing was this love that was inside of this man. It was a father's love. I didn't know. I know now. I didn't know then. I just knew that a hunger came in me that whatever he had, we needed to have. So that made me pray twice a day, every day for two years, that God would move this man of God to put him in connection with us in the church, to be part of us, because it was the missing ingredient, even though I didn't know what it was. That's what we call a burden. You're praying for something, you're hungry, and God doesn't even reveal to you what it is. He just says, it's in there, pray it down. So that's what I did. I prayed for two years. But it wasn't easy. There was that point, and tell a little bit about that point when you almost gave up. Well, after, after the end of the second year, um, I realized that uh, I just got this feeling in my heart because I would call him a few times. Hey, you need to hear the Lord's telling me to come down. And I felt so like, you know, who am I to say that to these people? But I, he, would, he would prompt me to call, I think like three or four times. And so after the fourth time, I realized, no, 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 we're, we're, in, we're in this big church up here somewhere in Buffalo, and we're rocking. And, and I said, oh, it's, it's not going to happen. You know, somebody gave him this big church. Why would I call him out of this big church from Buffalo? Uh, this, is, this is not, maybe I just missed it. And I said, well, I'm just going to go look for the church because I, I got to find what I don't know what I'm looking for. So I went to Orlando, to a big church up there. Uh, people started cutting up in the service. The pastor stands up and says, listen, listen I, I don't even want to be here no more. I'm not a pastor. And I'm going like, oh, okay, there's another place. <laughs> <laughs> so I had taken a week off. Then I went to up to uh, Cathedral of the Holy Spirit, where he had come from. And I said, well, this is, has to be the place because this is where he came from. It was a Wednesday night. They only had like 300 people. And the service was good. It was great. But, you know, Sunday morning is when they had the big orchestra and the big thing. And I said, well, Sunday morning, I'm going to really, I'm going to hear that that this is, this is my place. So that Wednesday night, I, I went to my room and prayed. And I heard the Lord say, the answer that you're looking for is waiting for you when you get home. And I started talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, but I'm here for the rest of the week. I pay for the hotel. I want to see the Sunday morning. And there was silence. And I said, well, he's not going to discuss that with me. So I know what I need to do. I drove back to Miami, not very happy, very disappointed. When I got home, we didn't have cell phones back then, uh, I had an answering machine. On the answering machine was Prophet Deborah's voice, and it said, Eddie, we've just moved down to Miami, and Tuesday night will be our first service. We're starting a church. Wow. I love that story. Uh, you know, I had never heard that part. Um, and I think it's just incredible, like, God's timing is always perfect. It's that expression that, you know, he may not move when you want him to move, but he's always on time. And it's, it's just so true. Sometimes we get frustrated in the process, but we have to remember it's these, you know, Paul said it this way. He said, rejoice when you go through these various trials. Rejoice. You know, so many times we're like, man, how quick can I get out of this trial? But... Paul was telling us, look, these trials, they work in you patience, they work in you character, they work in you the things that God needs to develop in you, they work in you the miracle that needs to happen. So rejoice when you go through the trials, rejoice when you have to, even when you're in that holding pattern and you're waiting. So 
so good. Yeah. So the first service, I show up. It's Tuesday night. I walk in, and I'm the only one there, so I'm kind of shocked. And his whole family's up there, and they're worshiping the Lord, and the worship is so amazing. I'll never forget the song, The Banner Over Me in Love, being sung in this incredible harmony. The anointing's flooding the place. I'm weeping. And I look on the platform, and I see Pastor Joshua. I've only told him this, and my wife. He's playing the keyboards. I'm in worship, deep worship. And I heard the Lord say, and he pointed to Joshua. He said, he's next up to the plate. And I'm going like, Lord, what are you talking about baseball? I'm, I'm in worship. I'm in the middle of worship. What do you mean he's next up to the plate? And then I realized, oh, he's going to be next. And I only told you and my wife, and I want to share that. I know we'll honor you, but we're honoring you. Thank you. Thank you, Prophet Eddie. Um, I love recounting the things that God says and God does through us. Um, Pastor Carol and Pastor Clarence, um, you guys are, we don't, we don't allow you guys to all the way retire, but um, they've tried to retire a couple of times on me, and I say, okay, we'll let you be semi-retired, but we might have to call you in. Just be ready. Just be on call. But um, in the formative years of hope, you guys were instrumental in helping create the fabric of community and that feel of family. And um, we celebrate you guys for that. And, and, and for that reason, we, we want you guys to, to talk and share from that standpoint. Uh, Pastor Carol, when you first came to Hope, the doctors had told you three months to live. Doctors gave you three months to live. And then you walked into the doors of Hope. Um, give us a little bit of your experience with the <laughs> coming in to the uh, community of hope. Coming into the community of hope. Something quite different that I had never experienced. But before I go on, I want to say, Pastor Eddie, thank you for your persistence in prayer, for praying them down here, for dragging you guys down here. <laughs> and Bishop, thank you for accepting the call. That is a big responsibility. Thank you. Without this call, I would not have been here. Yes, I had 90 days left to live. I came to Florida from New York, and it was very difficult. I tried to find a church, and I was very unsuccessful. The sickness that I had, people looked at you like you were a leper. It was shameful to be among people, and nobody wanted to be around even a lot of the clergy. And so my caseworker handed me my ticket to hope. These cards, these cards are very important. When I got this card, I was very angry, and I tossed it somewhere in my house. And, but God has a way when you need, when you really need, when you have no place else to go, then you look for the card. Oh, let me find this card. Maybe they'll have something over there. And that's what I did. I found the card. My mom was here spending time with me, and we went for a drive from Homestead to the Palmetto. 
And we got there, it was early, I thought, and there was nothing, I'm, I'm looking for a church, a real church, but there was no real church. There was about 10, 20 cars in there and a lot of warehouses, and I wasn't sure if I had the right place until I saw the lady who invited me, she came in. Okay, so we went in and I had an encounter. We walked into the front door and this Pastor Marilyn was at the church and Miss Vertuli, for those of you who've been here probably remember, I had this encounter with Miss Vertuli. Miss Vertuli had this boisterous attitude and she was like, good morning, how are you? The Lord gave me a message for you. And I looked at her like, is she crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I said, the Lord with attitude, the Lord gave you a message for me? She said, yes. I said, but he didn't talk to me. How are he going to talk to you? <laughs> she said, the Lord gave me a message to you. And she started prophesying the very things that I was experiencing. Only God could know what I was going through. And it led me instantly to pay attention to what she was saying. My mom was standing there just dumbfounded looking at her. And when she was finished, she prayed with me. And we walked in the church, and I felt a difference in my attitude. And we were sitting there waiting, and Bishop and Pastor Sonny came in, and they started greeting everyone who was sitting in church. They said hello, and church started. From that day, from that day, I could not get enough. The worship got me immediately. Mm -hmm. Mark was the worship leader, and they just wouldn't stop. They would worship for hours, like the other night when we had this worship session, that's our regular Sunday morning worship. Yes, yes. And so we, we got spoiled with that. And later on, we said, why don't we worship as much as we used to before? But anyway, it started with this. And in the process of coming, I couldn't get enough of being at Hope. Even if I lived in Homestead, it took me like 45 minutes without traffic to get there. And I couldn't wait to get there because of what I found. I found that the people there really cared. They loved me. I loved the way that you two showed me to love unconditionally. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter what you were going through. He found something good in you. There's something good in each person. And too often, we tend to, 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 to stress the not so good things. Take that one good thing and capitalize on it. And that's what encourages people to come out of the dump that they're in. And so that encouraged me. And I remember maybe three weeks after that, I laid on the floor in Homestead and I said, God, I'm not ready to die. This lady told me that I was not going to die. You said I wasn't going to die. And if you're real, I will serve you the rest of my life, but I'm not ready to die. Be careful when you make a covenant with God. I could not go back on my covenant. So many people, even to this day, ask me, why do you do so much? Why do you do this? Because that's the commitment I made. Come hell or high water, that's the commitment I made. So it all started again from what I was shown. And over the years, I grew into that so much so that I became part of all of you. I need to know everything that's happening in your life. Clarence is getting your Kool-Aid. It's not that I want to be nosy. It's that if I'm going to be a shepherd to you, that's what Bishop taught us, how to be shepherds of the people. And if I'm going to be a shepherd to you, I need to know your struggles. I need to know where you're at so that I can pray, so that I can help you to walk through this. And that's why we became shepherding pastors. 
um, it is very important that you find a place where you're loved, where you are comfortable, and where you're growing in the spirit. We couldn't wait. We were like acts. We ate at the church every, every day. Church was open every, every day. day. <laughs> every day we were at church. Kids got fed. Grown-ups got fed. We had word up the wazoo. Every minute was a teaching moment. Every minute. When you around Bishop, you better make sure you have a pencil and a pen. Because there is a nugget that's coming. And if you don't have that, you'll be like, man, I missed it. There's no going back. But that's what I got when I started at Hope. And it built me up to the point where, yes, I did get better. And 33 years later, look where I'm at. Okay? So... God is faithful. God is faithful. He blessed me. I did not die. I lived. I got a husband. I got married. I got a bunch of children. And God, am I happy. So I'm thankful, Pastor Josh and Pastor Corinne, for taking over and walking in Dad's footstep. And this will only continue to get better. Thank you. Amen. I believe it. Um, so, Pastor Clarence, to you, sir. <laughs> um, what really attracted you to the vision of hope besides Pastor Carol? <laughs> I had never seen church done like this before. It was radical. Um, it was people from everywhere. Uh, I'm from South Florida, and uh, I was raised um, in a predominantly black neighborhood. And, and a lot of times I got in trouble because a lot of times I didn't feel and look like a lot of the people that I was around. Um, I, I, got, I, got, I got hazel eyes, sometimes they gray, sometimes they blue, sometimes they green. I got big ears. I'm scrawny, um, but I could run fast. So if they mess with me too much and I couldn't push them down at random. But when I, when I got here, I was mesmerized. The people were running to the altar, bringing their offering. They would just mess up these chairs. The chairs would be all aligned and they'd be worshiping. And then when they say offering time, they just take off to the offering. I mean, to the altar. And I thought that was like, that is so cool, but can they do that? <laughs> and being that I came from a structured church, you know, um, and um, um, I fell in love with hope. I, I listened to Bishop. It was, he was Dwayne. He was my, my buddy at the time, right. Dwayne, preach. And the, the thing about his preaching and teaching is was off the front page. Everything that he, he, he preached was happening now. He was a now preacher. And I just let all of that consume me. And when it consumed me and when I, I got asked to be part of the shepherding team, oh, did I meet people. I met Dr. Sam. Yep. Dr. Sam, Pastor Sonny's father, um, took me under his wing. And, and when we get to 
they gave me an office. I don't know what to do with the office, but they gave me an office. <laughs> and they, they gave me an office, and Dr. Sam, me and Dr. Sam, when we first get in the office, he always beat me to the, to the office. And we go out and we get a sausage or a, a, a biscuit, and we'll come back and have a cup of coffee, and we would plan our day. And Carol would already be there, and she would be trying to, anybody that had an issue, she was always calming them down. She would always be speaking sweet to them. And I'm like, let the peacemaker go. But service was in my spirit. And I got caught up into shepherding and knowing the community that if Bishop needed anything, he would send us on these adventures to get it. And we would get it. And sometime in the middle of the night, he would have this, this epiphany. And he would be saying, I need a, a live helmet. ostrich for yeah, Sunday. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 Carol would be like, "Let's go!" And we get up and we go looking, and I would know the places that would be open 24 hours, and we would go get it, and um, and we would come back, and I mind you that it fitted in the sermon that he was going to be preaching. It was not for not. It wasn't. It was for the good. Okay, I'm going to start with this one right here uh, and, uh, because I can talk forever. Um, I'm, I'm like the second This is the part dangerous the thing about getting too many preachers on yeah, the stage yeah. at the same time. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bishop always had all the kids and everybody in service, everybody in service uh, at one time, and he had, a, had us go get him a wheelbarrow. So we went and got this new shiny wheelbarrow. Uh, and uh, he filled it up with apples. And in the middle of his sermon, he was talking about that. What we do is in our lives, we keep looking at the rotten part of our life. And we keep turning that apple around uh, and show the good side. So nobody would know that at some point in our life, we had a rotten part in our life. But that was, that was the sermon. But what he did is to show us the bad part of our lives, he flipped the, the wheelbarrow over and the apples fell off the stage. The stage was about this high. And it fell off the stage and all the kids ran and got apples. That was just one of the most amazing sermons that I've ever heard how you identify that you can be bruised in an area and you can find Christ and he can heal you and grow you over again. I, I think that's something that we can all take away is that no matter where you come from and what your background is, that God can take you, even though you're not perfect, you got areas of your life that... God is still healing. God is still working on. But God wants to use you right now. God wants to clean you up. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for your life. God has uh, a journey that he's taking you on. So that's we've all been our own journey. And this journey of hope, I, I wrote down in my notes. I didn't get to say it um, at the other service. But this whole journey, it's 
been practically my entire life. Like we moved down here when I was 15. And uh, you're right, Deshane. Like we were growing up, to, and I got my I got my license down here, and um, it's just like all the different seasons that God has brought us through as a church, all the different miracles that God has done with us as a people. Um, God can use you, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you got bruises, <laughs> whether you've got things that still need to be cleaned up. God wants to use you, and God can use you to do incredible and even miraculous things i'm fighting for the holy spirit up here (laughs) i'm like he just keeps putting something on my heart and uh he's like you need to say this you need to say this but it was so amazing in the first service how uh the holy spirit even though this is about reminiscing uh we like he's working right now and he's so relevant right now and uh, (laughs) um anyway but i just keep hearing over and over again encounter Encounter, and I'm just hearing Eddie talk about how he showed up to the house and he had an encounter that he had never had before. And how you showed up and you encountered God immediately met you at the door. And now I moved down here and I had an encounter like I'd never had before. And I was just along the ride with my family, but I experienced God like I never had before. And um, I just and then Jeremy on the screen, he said, you know, I encountered something I had never encountered before. And I just know that um, that God has marked us all. He's marked every single one of us. Come on, baby. Tell the truth. It's time. And um, the thing that was so special is we were led by the Spirit. And we were bold and we were obedient. And, and people are... People were hungry at that time. They were so hungry for something real. And they were hungry for truth. Um, And they needed to be loved, you know. And you guys showed up and you loved them, but you also spoke truth. And and it did change people, transform them. And Eddie's sitting here because he experienced something he never experienced before, and he's continued to. And you guys are here because you showed up and you experienced something you never had before. And it's marked us. To the point to where he, God put a pin in us where we've never, we'll never be the same. Prophet, Prophet Eddie, you said something to me the other day about how when you came to hope, you didn't realize that you couldn't get away. Couldn't get away from hope. You went, you moved away. But it was like God called you and marked you, and this was where you're supposed to be. The first prophetic word I ever got was right after I got saved. And it was three prophets from uh, uh, Bill Hammond's ministry. And uh, they gave me an incredible word. I had an encounter right there at that moment. I had a vision of my life. Uh, it, it was just something that just marked me. But one of the things they said at the end that I forgot, and I had it written down, the last thing they said to me was, don't be like Jonah. <laughs> and I didn't understand. I was just born again. I didn't know. What does that mean, Jonah? And I came to realize that that's been a struggle for me in my walk with the Lord. Uh, I'm always, there's something in me that always is looking for something new or something else or, and, and it, it made me make moves in my life that I shouldn't have made. Uh, the last move just uh, so crushed me that I realized 
I could never do that again because now I'm married to somebody who I love. And so my crushing is her crushing. And I realized, you know what? And I told Joshua, I'm here to the end. You'll have to kick me out of this church. Because once you're where the Lord plants you, he plants the lonely with a family, with a community. And it's here that I get everything that I need. I, I get from the Lord, but I get it in a community. I get it from the ministers that he's put over me. Everything that I will need is where he planted me. And I, I realize everything that I was looking for was eventually going to be here. I was being prophetic. I want it to happen. Oh, I see it. I want it to happen. And one of the things that uh, thing he showed me is that the first thing that loves is, is patient. That's another challenge that I got to really conquer. And I've learned after that last episode that, you know what? I know how to be patient. I'll be here until you take me home. Okay, 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 I got it, I got it. Before you tell me, I can't do it. Okay. One of the things that, that uh, another thing that attracted me to the church, it was so multicultural. And, and, and if the world could get what we do right. at Hope, they, 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 they would get away from all of these stigmas. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And everything that God has created is good. And, and, and the bishop was, uh, when you was away, bishop preached, and, and I came to the altar. And I had this issue, and I, and I had to get rid of this issue and I know people will say, why Pastor Clarence going up and got his hand up? No, I got it. We have issues. Sometimes as you grow, you get more issues and more development things. And, and I needed to, to love a person that was unlovely. And Bishop told me, came over to me, and he said, love the person and attack that negative spirit in prayer. That's right. It freed me up so much that I want to run this person down and tell them, I love you. I love you. I just don't like your spirit. But it'll come. And the opportunity will come. And I will show that person love. Amen. Amen. Um, we've been through uh, so many great seasons, uh, Pastor Corinne. And, um, of course, one of the greatest seasons was when you came to the church. <laughs> and when we got engaged and a lot of uh, young ladies left the youth ministry. Um, it was a lot of That's actually praying true. in the That's altar. That's a true story. Um, that's just for fun. All right. Um, Pastor Corinne, don't clap too hard back there. Um, Pastor Corinne, where do you see, um, what do you see God doing right now in our church and in the church? I see, I think this is, I think the Lord just gave me the way to say that everything that we've talked about today it's like a culmination, and then he's, like, propelling it to another level. So 
he's expanding the borders of our tent. He's propelling us into walking in the fullness of this. And with the word that God spoke over this year, which is it's time, you know, I hope you heard the common theme in everybody's statements, obedience, obedience. obedience. It was their obedience. It was his obedience that opened a door. It was their obedience that opened a big door. It was, it was y'all's obedience to come when you needed to come and stay and go to the church. It was my obedience when I needed to come when God said, this is where you're going to be planted. And then I found my husband. It's like obedience is the theme here. So it's time. This is, this is the moment for us to take the things that God has spoken to us and to run with it and say, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to trust that the God, the living God who cares for me, who designed me, has a plan for my life. And he wants to bless me and expand my, my territory. And he wants to bless my family. So I want to encourage you today. Don't be stuck in this place where you feel like if I make a move, will I mess up? If God is telling you to make a move, he's not going to let you fail. If God is telling you to make a move, he's going to work all things together for your good. That's the word. Amen. Amen. I think, you know, we're seeing in each and every story, um, I find that when we look back at the miracles that God has done in the past, we get a glimpse of what God is going to do in the future. Because Jesus, Jesus told us, he said, what you've seen me do, you're going to even do greater. So what we've seen God do in the past of hope, God is saying he's going to do greater. He's going to do that and even greater. So I don't know what miracle that you're praying for, whether it be personally or with your family or in our church. It's time. It's time. It, it, sometimes we put things off to the future time or we shelf a dream that God has given us and maybe he's telling you something like he told dad which is no there's a window this is your window this is your window this is your window to move on that thing that God has placed on your heart will you bow your heads with me today God we celebrate what you have done over these 27 years all the miracles, all the testimonies, everyone that's found Christ and found family and found open doors. God, we celebrate that. God, all the milestones, all the miracles. But God, we know that you're the same God that will do it again. You're the God. We, we know you've moved the mountains before, but I believe you're going to do it again. Oh, you're going to do it again. And maybe there's some people right here that have their heads bowed, eyes closed, and they're saying, man, I'm believing for God to do something in my life. I need God to do something in my life. I believe this is your time. This is your season. God is doing what no man can do. And sometimes we have to get we have to move out of the way so God can do what he wants to do. We have to move that natural, logical side and, and say, okay, let me put that to the side. See what the Spirit is saying right now. Let me pray over you. 
God, I thank you, Lord, for all that's been said, all that's transpired. God, your word that you've spoken into us, the testimony that's been shared, the impartation that's happened, God, the spirit and the faith that's been grabbed a hold of, the breakthroughs that happened in the altar, the worship that happened earlier, God. Lord, I thank you for that. God, let us take that, that precious spirit and run with it. Not just leave it here, not lose it in the parking lot. <laughs> but God, let us be carriers of your anointing, carriers of your spirit wherever we go, that we still got it on Monday when we go into work. We still got it on Tuesday. We got it throughout the week. God, make this place a place of habitation. God, let your spirit reside. <laughs> in us God let us carry you around with us that's why you gave us the Holy Spirit so we would never have to be alone you are the comforter the Holy Spirit our companion the one that empowers us to walk into those big doors to see those miracles happen to see the healing happen your Holy Spirit inside of us we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, come on, give five people a big hug and tell them I'm glad God showed up today. Thanks again for listening. If you like this message, make sure to like and share. For more information or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. And remember, share hope with someone today.